0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. I also just want to let you know that we are—we are, like Pastor John said—we're not just looking in uh, downtown, and we are—we are looking between the eight freeway and the fifty-six freeway, or all, all the way up the fifteen corridor. We are in the hunt because we need a second location. In in central, we need a couple of central locations. In fact, we probably need two, three, or maybe four central locations. I think so. Uh, so we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be in the hunt for for that. And I, I I really like one of the things that they told me when I came here was just, oh oh, you're going to San Diego? Oh, <laughs> that's a preacher's graveyard. <laughs> and so I. You know, God kind of wired me a certain way. It used to drive Leanne nuts, but I think now she sees the benefit of it. Where I'm just German enough, you know, I have enough Deutsch, German in me. That I'm just perhaps a little bit arrogant. And if you tell me I can't do something, I'm like, why? 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 Why can't I do this? Why are you telling me this is not possible? Of course, it's possible. This God all things. So and so. So when they told me that I couldn't do that you know, you couldn't have buildings and there's no zoning in San Diego for, and plus it's the fifth, it's so expensive. Just, you know, just, so I'm like, no, this is not happening under my watch. And so, so I like owning buildings. I like taking territory. I like putting a flag in the ground. I like putting a footprint in the ground and you don't have to deal with landlords. You never deal with schedules and timetables, and and, uh, and it's so so good for the for for our people to have excellent facilities, excellent children's facilities, and excellent youth facilities, and you know great great sound and lighting, and make the the entire experience more powerful. So so that's why we're in the hunt for buildings. Uh, there's always a battle over territory, but it's a battle that we feel that we fight, and there's something that is secured. It's it's never just about bricks and mortar. Understand that there's something. About redeeming the earth when you, when you know, when we together buy buildings, there's something because Satan walks on the earth to and fro claiming that it's his. God said to Satan in the book of Job, Where have you come from? He said, I come from the earth. From walking back and forth and traveling to and fro upon it. The walking back and forth was a very, very arrogant statement. God said to Moses, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. Satan says, I literally tread, trample the earth because it's my domain. And so... That's why there's so much resistance and opposition with taking territory. But every time we take territory in the the terra firma, in the natural, we secure something in the spirit. God told me many, many years ago, you're not buying buildings or you're not buying churches. You're establishing altars. Every single, bu- every single building is an altar where a bonfire of praise, where a bonfire of prayer, where a bonfire of worship goes up. The Bible says that when, when Gideon put, put the offering there for the angel, the, the, the angel reached out his staff and a fire consumed, and then the angel went up in the flames. And, and so you need to understand that the angels ascend and descend. Jacob had a vision of a, a ladder set up on earth and heaven at a place called Bethel which means house of God. And he saw angels ascending and descending. So so we want to change the spiritual climate over our city, San Diego. We know that the the, the demonic forces want want to drown our city in darkness, in depravity, in debauchery, in dysfunction, in discontent, in depression. But we come to bring breakthrough. And so every single land that we take, breaks through that darkness it pierces that darkness and brings heavenly host. That's where healings come down, miracles come down, breakthrough comes down. So that's the why behind the what if that makes sense. Amen amen well come with me in your Bibles exciting exciting today Matthew 1925 to 26 Jesus has just met with the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler went away sad because a uh, good kid, great kid. He says, what do I have to do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus, you know, the commandments is all these I've kept. All these. He was, a, he was a good moral man. Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, give to the poor, follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven. The Bible says that this, he yeah, He says, "Ah, oh, man, I can't do that. Just understand, Jesus didn't say have nothing. He said, be willing to give everything. Nowhere does he say, have nothing. Otherwise, he would have just said, give your possessions away, didn't he? He says, sell what you have and then give to the poor. If Jesus didn't want you to have anything, he'd just say, give it all away. Give it away, give it away, give it away. He didn't say that. That was red hot chili peppers. That wasn't Jesus. Why would he tell him to sell it? So he could see that he's putting his trust in depreciating man, this car, I, I thought I would have got, I only got that for Man, I'm, all my, sell what you have, give to the poor. But he, he, here's the problem. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. How many people are loving the one-year Bible, by the way? So as I read this the other day, the Holy Spirit said, because the rich young ruler said, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? In other words, how do I add heaven to my earthly stash? How do I ha- add heaven, eternal life to my earthly possessions. And Jesus, is like, no, no, no. You don't add heaven to heaven, doesn't fit in with it. This is meant to fit in. In fact, you use all of this to attain that. You use there is nothing more important than he... if you get heaven right, everything else, seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. And because he couldn't seek first the kingdom, he wanted to add the kingdom. He didn't want to seek first the kingdom. Jesus, that's what where Jesus drew the line. So now Jesus turns to the disciples and says, How difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. How difficult it is for the rich. Now you need to understand in Jewish theology, uh, the blessing of God was seen by prosperity. They knew that somebody was blessed of God, was highly favored of God by their prosperity or their wealth. So when Jesus says how difficult it is for the rich to enter, they're like, what? Hang on. What? You're saying... It's difficult. We thought they were already, we thought they were like the front runners. Jesus like, no, no, how difficult it because their trust is in their stuff. And then the disciples said, well, Lord, then who can be saved? And have a look at verse 26. Jesus said, with men, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. With men, this is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. So today I want to preach to you a message called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I want, to, I want to tune you in today. I want to get your dial tuned in to the All Things Are Possible network. You're going to leave today stepping into an All Things Are Possible realm. Because the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob—if you've been doing your one-year Bible, we've gone through Abraham, we've gone through Isaac, we've gone through Jacob. Now you should be in Moses. And let me just say, Moses is prophetic. This, God is incredible. We are reading about Moses and the Exodus right now. And how crazy is it that what we are seeing in the world right now, specifically up in Ottawa, Canada, is Moses, the truckers, confronting Pharaoh, Trudeau, surrounding the parliament with a declaration, let my people go. Just an hour ago, Sasquatchin already moved back and said we're gonna release all the mandates, release all the mass mandates, no longer require vaccine mandates. They've blocked it, but they can't stop until Trudeau is toppled. Trudeau was trained. He didn't win the last election. The, um, Dominion Software and Smartmatic is housed in Canada in a Soros-owned-bought building. Klaus Schwab personally discipled Trudeau. Trudeau was placed in there. He is a weasel. He's a traitor. He sold out his nation for a global reset and a globalist agenda. It won't end until we topple these, these globalists. And uh, anyway, so that's, that's just a prophetic word. So now, so... <clears throat> So can we meet Genesis 32, Genesis 32. We're going to read from verse 24. Genesis 32 is is a powerful passage of scripture. So the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're going to land on Jacob right now, but you're going to see how Abraham and Isaac plays into it. And then how uh, Jacob's future plays into it as well. Jacob, right at this moment, his life, his life has blessing, but also has mess. So the Lord blessed Jacob because God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has blessed Jacob. Jacob for the last 20 years has been living with Uncle Laban. And even though Uncle Laban was was, uh, a a scammer, was a liar, was a cheat, defrauded him of his his wages, God has still been able to bless him. The reason that God was blessing Jacob was because God loved Abraham. God made a commitment to Abraham that he would bless Abraham and that his descendants would would inherit. God was with Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob and so God honored that. But Jacob's life is a mess because God is blessing him but his behavior is messing him. So you you can be walking in blessing but still living wrong which I wish it wasn't like. It'd just be so much easier. And so Jacob comes to a place now where he's divided all of his possessions amongst his two wives and, and his two wives' uh, maids, and he sent the four of them across the ford of Jabbok ahead of him. He has Esau coming. Uh, so funny, sometimes you can have a staff, they're brilliant at, at executing a task, but they can't see the big picture. So he, 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 he is leaving Uncle Laban, he's done with 20 years of, of working for the ripoff merchant, and God says to him, go back to the land of Abraham and Isaac, go back to, and so he's traveling to that land, but to get to that land, he's got to go through the land of Edom, which is Esau, Esau's descent, which is, Abra- uh, which is Jacob's older brother. The last interaction that Jacob had with his older brother, his older brother says, I'm going to kill you. When dad dies, I'm going to kill you. Because Jacob, his name means heel grabber, deceiver, scammer. Everything he had, he kind of stole or defrauded. He was like the used car salesman of used car salesmen. So he, he, Took advantage of his brother's weakness appetites after coming in from a five-day hunting trip. He's making red lentil stew the way that he, the whole house was filled and his brother's famished. And he's like, can I have a bowl? He's like, for your birthright. And his stupid brother gives up his birthright, trades destiny on the altar of the immediate. It's amazing how many people sacrifice their destiny on the altar of immediate gratification. But then years later, when Isaac, the Bible says, is so old that he's weeks away from passing and he's gone blind. Jacob knows that Isaac is about to bless Esau, the firstborn, with the blessing of the firstborn. And Jacob deceives, takes advantage, defrauds his aging, blind father. He tricks him into pretending that he's Esau to get the blessing. So that while Esau is hunting in the field and brings in the game and all of his his great labor and toil, Isaac says, who are you? He says, I'm Esau. He's like, well, who did I just bless? And he says, what do you mean? He said, I just blessed what I thought was Jacob got the blessing. And he said to, and Isaac had to say to Esau, I've already blessed your brother. Now you'll be his servant. He'll rule over you. I gave him the blessing of heaven. The blessing was on Abraham that was on me. That blessing is now on Jacob. All you're going to have is scraps. All you're going to have is leftovers. You live in his shadow. You live in, in uh, his afterglow. What he has will, will dominate the land and you're going to have. And the Bible says that Esau wept and says, I'm going to kill my brother. My dad's days are coming to an end. Once, once I've mourned for him. You're dead. When Rebecca heard that, she sent him off to to, uh, serve Uncle Laban. Here's the thing you can move geographically. You can go to Idaho, you can go to Texas, y'all. You can move to a red state. Here's the only problem wherever you go, you have to take you along. That's the biggest problem. Everywhere I've gone, it's like, oh man, I'm here as well. So Jacob is now at a place where after serving for Laban, now he, he worked for Laban for seven years. And he said, I'll work for you for seven years for Rachel. So he works seven years. And then on his wedding night, when he's meant to have Rachel become his bride, Laban deceives him. Laban does a switch. Hello, you're not the first one, Jake, uh, Laban, to do a switch. Jacob did the switch, pretended he was Esau, got the... Because here's the problem. Sowing and reaping, we never turn it off. Gosh, I wish we could. Gosh, I wish we could. Your life today is a harvest of all the seed you sowed yesterday. If you don't like your life today, good news, sow different seed. You can have a better... T- That's why I love the Bible, because the Bible gets you born again. So instead of me transmitting all my dysfunction, I now have... Heavenly kingdom living on the inside of me. I have Christ nature on the inside of me. And if I'm in the spirit, the Bible says those who sow to the flesh corruption reap corruption but those who sow to the spirit reap everlasting life so you so you god when you are born again god fills you with his spirit with his dna with and so you can your future can begin to shift that's why the bible says the way of life winds upwards brighter and brighter unto the perfect day for the righteous your life should get betterer and betterer and betterer which i know isn't a word but it just sounds good so jacob sends one of his servants across he knows that Laban is going to kill him. He worked seven years for Rachel. On his wedding night, Laban puts Leah in there. Laban, uh, Jacob doesn't really do a due diligence. He's been waiting seven years. He sleeps with her. Yeah. And when he wakes up in the morning, it's Leah, not Rachel. He comes out. And Laban says, oh, oh, yes. Um, Well, now that you've slept with her, you can work for me for another seven years for free. And you can have both. So he kind of got snared. At the end of those seven years, he has to work another six years for the livestock and cattle that he looked after. After 20 years of, of being ripped off and serving this scheme artist, he's leaving. But he goes away in the night because Laban won't let him go because Laban knows, no, no, this man, I'm blessed because of this man. I don't want to let my golden goose go. So he's trying to keep, so Jacob has to steal away in the night. And he comes to this, this ford, Jabbok, this river. And his friend, his servants come back saying, Good news, good news, Esau's coming. (laughs) We told him you're coming through, and he's like, man, that's awesome. So he's coming, and he's got 400 of his BFFs. (laughs) At least we think they're BFFs. There's 400 coming with him. Wow, we're going to have a party. Nobody has 400 BFFs. He's not coming with 400. He's coming with an army to wipe Jacob out. So now we catch up. Jacob, verse 14 Of Genesis 32. Hang on, sorry. Verse 24, excuse me. Verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. I mean, just, he sends everything ahead. He's got trouble in front of him, trouble coming up behind him. When you lie, it it never brings you peace. Because... Your first lie requires a whole succession of lies to try to prop up the original lie, which if you didn't tell the original lie, if you just kind of told the truth and took the brunt of it, you wouldn't need to have all these lies and, and try and remember what you said to who and when and where. and can. So all the stress, all the pressure, well, Jacob is left alone, and then a man comes into the camp and pff, pounces on Jacob, and next time he's wrestling, and it's, it's like, I don't need this. My brother's coming to kill me with 400 men. Laban's coming up from behind me. And now there's some dude in the camp wrestling with me. And it gets worse. It says, then Jacob was left alone, wrestling with the man until the breaking day. Now, when the man saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob, he smacks the socket of Jacob's hip and dislocates his hip. And his hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the, the man said, the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he says, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, because I've seen God face to face and I have prevailed. In Exodus 3, verse 6, the burning bush, God appears unto Moses and he says to Moses, take the sandals off your feet. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And he says, moreover, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. G- Moses then says, Tell me your name. And he says, I am who I am. Woo-hoo. Both places, God doesn't say, My name's Gary, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. It always used to, like, why wouldn't God, because nobody named him. Wow. We name our children. But God didn't have a mama and papa, so nobody named him. Not only does nobody name God, but no name encapsulates God. There is not one name that can describe God. All the way through the scriptures, in fact, God says to, to Moses, he says, I revealed myself to Abraham and Isaac as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. But to you, I'm going to re- begin to reveal my covenant names, yud Vavhe, where we get Yahweh. And so there's this, this is a revelation, there's an unfolding. I need you to understand that, that, that God, God is, is always in the process of revealing. He's always in the process of producing. There's a number in the Bible, you'll see all the way through the Bible, it's the number 40. It's the number 40. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years when God appears to him with the burning bush. The children of Israel walk through the wilderness after they're delivered from Egypt 40 years until they cross into the promised Land. Jesus was in the desert for 40 year, uh, for 40 days. 40 is the number of the gestation weeks from conception to br- producing a little baby. a life that comes into the world 40 weeks earlier. 40 is the number of tribulation. God uses tests, trials, tribulations. God uses those things to produce life. The reason we have this series, Come What May, is because we wanted to tell you right from the beginning of January with all the crazy happening in the world and all the mandates and all the shutdowns and all the lockdowns and all the restrictions and all the oppressions, just get ready, get ready, get ready, because whenever the enemy turns up the heat, God is about to bake something new. See, if I just take, if I take dough... It doesn't taste, dough doesn't taste, but you put some fire, you put that dough in an oven, you put that dough in a kiln when there's some, there's some heat, Mm-mm-mm, that is the freshest bread you've ever, come on, how many people have ever gone to like your favorite restaurant and they bring the bread out and it's still hot and the butter just melts into it it's like, man, or pizza, you know, you get, the, you get the dough and you put some, some of that beautiful red you know, sauce on there and then some cheese and then some salami. And anyway, I'm getting hungry now, prosciutto. and <laughs> But you don't eat it cold. You put it in under heat. You put it in some fire. And man, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And then that same Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted Tested 40 days by the devil for 40 days. Satan assaulted him for 40 days he was he was tempted he was tested he was assaulted by the devil but have a look at Luke 4:14 4, in Luke 4:14 4, it says and then at the end of the 40 days Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the spirit he went out filled with the holy spirit he was led by the holy spirit but after 40 days graduation after 40 days something was that Jesus returns in the power of the spirit there's an anointing as you as you go through things i want you to understand Romans 8, 28, that God makes all things work together for good. Whatever you're walking through right now, I want you to understand that God's agenda in it is your promotion. David, when he walked into the valley of the shadow of death, promote, was promoted as a giant slayer and soon to be king of Israel. Whatever the enemy has set up against you, God is going to use it for you. It's going to be your promotion piece. Can somebody say amen? So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one, the first one is what I call the dual dimensional wrestle. The dual dimensional wrestle. The angel says to to Jacob, he says, you have wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. Therefore, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. In this life, you and I will always wrestle in two dimensions. In this life, you'll always be wrestling with God and you'll be wrestling with men. You'll be wrestling with God in the sense of God, how come you bless the Heinrichs and you haven't? How come we see the Fullers? How come we see you, you're going to wrestle? Man, how come they got a new Karen? How come they, man, they got healed? How come? And you're going to be wrestling? Where, where? It's the same that Elisha had to do where he takes the mantle of Elijah and he strikes the, the, the Jordan River and he says, where is the God of Elijah? Yeah. Every single one of us have a wrestler. You may say, well, I don't wrestle with God. I'm an atheist. Let me just tell you, it seems like the atheists wrestle with God more than anybody else. Yeah. If you ever watch Richard Dawkins, it's hilarious. He's hilarious. Richard, it's like I don't look, I don't believe in the tooth fairy, but I spend zero energy on trying to disprove the tooth fairy. I don't believe in pixies or leprechauns, but I don't get oh, no but you've listened to him, it's like, man, you got some angst. Dude, this whole God thing keeps you awake at night. I love the story of Francois-Marie Voltaire, who was one of, the, one of the, uh, the leading atheists of the 19th century. He was a brilliant mind, brilliant intellect professor and in, in, used to lecture at Notre Dame in, in France. And, and he hated Christianity. He, he was an atheist. And so he says, my pen will destroy the edifice that it took 12 disciples to rear. With my single hand, I will wipe Christianity out. In 10 years time, Christianity will be no more. Problem is, ten years later, he's on his deathbed, and he says to the doctor attending him, I'll give you half of everything I'm worth if you could just please give me six months more life, and then I shall go to hell. And you shall go with me, O oh Christ, O oh Jesus. He dies with O oh Christ, O oh Jesus Christ, being his last words. The nurse attending him said, Never again, for all the money in Europe, would she ever want to attend the, the death, the passing of an atheist? But here's the craziest part of the story. He swore that he would wipe Christianity out. In 10 years' time, it would be no more. Literally 10 years to the very day that he made that statement, his entire estate had to be sold when he passed, and it was bought by the Geneva Bible Society (laughs) that turned his home into a printing press to print and distribute Bibles all over the world. (laughs) Come on, how many people know that God is not mocked? You can rage against the Most High, but you ain't going to defeat the Most High. So in this life, you're always going to be wrestling with God and with men. With God and, be, and with men. Some of the people that can wound you the deepest are people. Some of the people that can disappoint you the deepest is people. Some of the people that can create the greatest abuse or the greatest trauma is people. In, in this house, we know that the Bible is full of, of great instructions on how to get along with people how to discern good from evil in people. You're going to develop people skills in this house, but you're also going to learn how to how to connect with God, how to discover God, how to walk with God. So Jacob is, 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 is in this place where he's wrestling with God. And God says to him, what is your name? See, can I just tell you that, that not only do we wrestle with God, but God says, you're no, no, no longer going to be called Jacob, heel grabber, deceiver from now on because you've wrestled with God and men and prevailed your name is no longer Jacob but it is now Israel it, this is a prototype for born again you were born and conceived heel grabber everything you had you had to get through kind of trickery or defraudery or, but not anymore you're going to now be called Israel Israel means God fights see let me just tell you there are times where there are times where you're you got nowhere else to go. Jacob was left alone, and he's wrestling with what he thinks is a man. He's had trouble all his life, but God had made a, a commitment to Abraham that I'll reveal myself to every generation. To every generation, I will reveal myself. God now comes to Jacob. He doesn't recognize him because he doesn't know him completely, but God reveals it, and as he wrestles with God, what is born, when you wrestle with God, God will then begin to wrestle for you when you are fighting with God in prayer. See, what's interesting is that the angel, God, strikes Laban's, uh, Jacob's hip and puts his hip out of joint and then says, let me go. And he says, I'm not letting you go. He's like, I just dislocated your hip. He's in pain, but he's not letting go. He's not letting go. Sometimes you can say, I don't understand. I, I thought I'd be married by now. Man, man how come this, this, this dead, how come, how come you're blessing other people? But I'm not letting you go. God, I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. Prayer sometimes, sometimes prayer is saying, I refuse to let you go until you bless me like you bless them, until you heal me like you healed them, until you provide for me until you, like you provide for them. I like, I like Jacob because even though he's in hurt, he's in pain, he ain't letting go. He ain't letting go. And God says, because of this, son, your name is no longer Jacob, but you have unleashed the God who fights and will fight on your behalf. If you read the story from this time on, you'll find that God fights for Jacob. The Bible says that Jacob went into a town and God put the fear of them on the entire town so that nobody touched them, even though they were outgunned and outnumbered. We want to bring you into a place. And there's a place in prayer when you wrestle in prayer. But Jacob right now, God says to him, what is your name? The last time he heard that was when his papa said, what is your name? And he lied and said, my name is Esau. But he's done with lying. He's through with deceiving. He's through with fraud and deception. He's through with all of that. So he just levels up. No one else around. He says, my name's Jacob. See, can I just tell you, if you don't let God deal with your past, he can't do with your future as he intends. Your, your past, they say past behavior is the greatest predictor of future behavior. But I want to go one step deeper. I want to show you that, that it's only the areas that I've let God deal with my past has God been able to so profoundly impact my future. But when I got married to Leanne, the dysfunctions of my generations I brought into. I didn't mean to bring it, Tessa. But I brought, and when we would fight, she would detect, she knew the way to hurt me, and, and opposites attract, and then opposites attack. She knew if she wanted to wound me, she would just say, you're just like your father. And I'd go, well, you're just like your mother, and would just, you know, be on. And the truth is, she wasn't wrong. The truth is, she wasn't wrong. There was, and then I realized, i If I want to have a different marriage to the way my mom and dad had a marriage, then I've got to recognize, I've got to invite God in to the painful areas, the difficult. I remember I was in Bible college and God said to me as clear as anything, he says, you need to forgive your father. I'm like, (laughs) not a chance, no chance. I said, number one, he doesn't deserve it. Number two, he ain't asking. I said, God, he's an atheist, so you should be on my team, not his, hello. And God's like, no, no, I'm not asking you to forgive him because he's asking. I'm not asking you to forgive him because he deserves it. I'm asking because you're now wanting to go into ministry. I said, yeah, I just preached at chapel. Hello. You heard all the people say, man, what a great preaching gift you've got. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not impressed by your gift because it's a gift. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, before I gave it to you, it was mine. So when you say, look how awesome this is, God's like, I know, I, I know, I, Gave it to you. Yeah, but you've got to be impressed. I'm not impressed at all. I gave it to you. Yeah, but look what I'm doing with it. No, no, that's what you're meant to do with it. Yeah, but you've got to be impressed. I'm not impressed at all. Like, I. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And he says, unless, unless you, unless you let me heal the damage, the brokenness, unless you let me take away the bitterness and the resentment from your heart, when you get up and operate in that preaching gift, Everything you say is going to be tainted. It's going to be polluted. It's going to be contaminated. It's going to be defiled with bitterness and resentment. He says, you're not just preaching words. You're preaching spirit. He says, you need to forgive your dad. I didn't want to forgive my dad. All all I had was all the, the, the trauma and the memories of his dysfunctions, coming home drunk, beating mom, beating us. I didn't want to forgive him. But I came to this point where I'm wrestling with a man and I realize I got to. But I've got to tell you that how beautiful God is. Not only have I f- forgiven him, God says, you've got to tell him that you love him. And then God says, you've got to honor him. I mean, God just keeps ramping it up. But I've got to tell you, if you will do what's difficult, God will do the impossible. Today, my dad and I, we talk on the phone once a week. He, he's no longer an atheist. Okay, I've got to tell you a naughty story, naughty story, naughty story, naughty story. Naughty story. So, so he was telling me a couple of weeks ago, uh, that he had Janet and her husband came, they live in the apartment below him and they came up to his, and he's got photos on the wall and, uh, there's a photo of Leanne and I with president Trump. And so she was like blown away. And, uh, and then he says, yeah, my, my son who lives in California, he's a preacher, he's a preacher over there. And, uh, so she says, oh, you know, what church? Oh, it's called a vacant church. And so she, so anyway, he calls me like two weeks ago and goes, Hey, have you ever heard of YouTube? I said yeah, yes dad I've, I've heard of you yeah 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 did you know you're on YouTube I said dad I'm, I know yeah blank he goes yeah bloody blank you know um, Janet said that she's been listening to you on YouTube and she says you've changed her effing life and then he goes blank I'm so blanking proud of you <laughs> So like, so Dad, you may want to listen to one or two messages yourself. <laughs> you might blank a whole lot less. <laughs> Point number two is whatever is birthed from heaven overcomes earth. 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. Have a look at this. It says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. See, sometimes we, we we don't like the heat, we don't like the tribulation, we don't like the testing, we don't like the trials. We, 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 we move towards pleasure and away from pain. We love comfort, we hate conflict. I, the older I get, the more I'm grateful for those moments of conflict persecution opposition tribulation because had it not been for those I would never have pressed in I would have never have looked up I never would have dug down I would, would never have laid hold That there are times where we were hurting but it, and God's like let me go let me go and people are saying let him go your hip is dislocated I'm not letting him go because I got nowhere else to go he alone can bless he alone can deliver he alone can relieve he alone can heal I'm not letting him go I will not let him go until he blesses me. And I'm telling you what is what is birthed, what is birthed in heaven overcomes earth. See, if you look at the God of Abraham, God says to Abraham that you're going to have a son. God's like, dude, you've been saying this for 40 years. Sarai is still barren. I know there's nothing wrong with me because Sarai, out of frustration, said, hey, why don't you sleep with Hagar? It was a test, Abraham. Wow. Why don't you sleep with this young girl? She could probably do what I can't. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Like, no argument. No argument. Wow. So no sooner does. And then she's like, this is your fault. And he had to own it. So there's nothing wrong with Abraham's seed. How easy it is for God to put a baby in Sarah's womb. How easy it is for God to just unbarren Sarah. But I want you to notice it's a 40-year battle. And on the 39th year, God appears to to Abram. And he says, I want you to change your name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of multitudes. And no longer shall Sarai be called Sarai, but she shall now be called Sarah, princess. This time next year, you're going to bring forth a son. The Bible says that Abraham in Romans four, the Bible says that Abraham did not consider the deadness of his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb being about a hundred years old, but counted God faithful who had promised. It wasn't, it wasn't about a baby in a barren womb. It was about God wanting to bring something from heaven into the earth that would overcome things in the earth called faith. That Abraham, Abraham was the pioneer. That's why the Bible calls him the father of our faith. That Abraham went through 40 years where he had every reason, everybody laughed at him. For one year, he's correcting people. Oh, no longer call me Abram, exalted father. No, from now on, my name is father of multitudes. People are laughing at him. What? You don't even have one kid. What are you talking about, Father and Mother? Your wife's barren. I met Abraham. He's telling everyone to change his name to Father and Mother. The guy's been drinking. smoking. The daddy. He's whatever. For one year, he's doing that because he counted God. He took the humiliation, took the person, took the because he counted God faithful. Isaac is born, but it wasn't just Isaac that was born. It was a faith that believed that God could do the impossible. That which is impossible with men. Is, he literally brings the nature of God. He brings the power of God into the world through a thing called faith. It wasn't just Isaac that was born. It was a faith. It was a faith that his, his grandson, sorry, his great grandson, Joseph, would be betrayed by his brothers, sold to his enemies, the Ishmaelites, who would treat him cruelly and take him down to Egypt and sell him as a slave in Egypt. He's now in bondage and slavery. He's then oppressed, falsely accused, treated like chattel by Potiphar's wife. Come sleep with me, slave boy. He refuses to do that. Then when she tries to corner him and he runs out, leaving his garment there, she makes up a story. He tried to rape me. Now he's in a dungeon. He's in a dungeon forsaken in Egypt. He's in the the lowest of the low. And yet when he was 17, he had two dreams. One of the the sheaves of the field bowing down before him and one of the, the sun, moon and stars bowing down before him. And he knew that this was God. When most people would have quit, Joseph didn't quit. Because Joseph was carrying in his DNA, he was carrying in his spirit what his great grandfather Abraham brought from the heavenly realm into the earthly realm of faith. So that even though he was in the dungeon, abandoned and forgotten, when his brothers finally come to him and they bow before him, he says, what you did, you meant for evil. He says, but I want you to know God meant it for good. He sent me ahead of you. Do not fear. Even though you perceive that I'm in the place of God and could kill you today. No, no, no. Do not be afraid. I will take care of you, your wives, your children, and your livestock. How can somebody who was thrown into a pit, they took his clothes and they, and they tore them, they put goat's blood on him and they took it to to daddy and they said is this do you recognize this garment? He says my God that's my son Joseph's. He's been torn apart by wild animals. You know what they were doing? They were making sure he didn't send a search party. They were covering their tracks to hide their wickedness. Joseph was abandoned left for dead but he had the faith of an Abraham who didn't concede death as an option. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That same faith was in Jesus, knowing nobody, nobody had given themselves to death, believing for resurrection. But God, the God, the author of life, carried the DNA of Abraham. So when he went into the tomb, he knew he was going to rise. That's why he told the disciples, on the third day, the son of man will rise. How do you know? Because death ain't big enough. Death ain't the end. Because Abraham brought something into When David stood in the valley of the shadow of death against a giant, the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. See, point number three is that you, you and I can access divine DNA. I don't understand why you've got to speak in tongues in your church. No one understands it. Bible says, he who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God. Indeed, with his spirit, he utters mysteries. It was a mystery when Leanne and I and our three little boys landed in San Diego. It was a mystery who was going to come to a church. Would anybody come to our church? It was a mystery when God gave me a vision of a baseball diamond, one church fall, okay. It was a mystery. How are we going to, we don't even have one. How are we going to get, it was, a everything's been a mystery. But you know, the beautiful thing is when, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you access divine DNA. And the divine DNA is the Spirit speaking mysteries. I don't understand how we're going to pay this debt. Man, I don't understand we're going to get a home. Do you know how expensive it is? Man, I don't understand how this thing's going to turn around. Man, I don't understand how, how to do this marriage thing. Man, I don't understand how to, how to beat this addiction. Man, I don't understand the, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak mysteries on your behalf. Joseph has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh Ephraim. Manasseh means God has caused me to forget. God has caused me to forget. Forget all my troubles, forget all my pain. I'm telling you, when you, when you walk with this divine DNA, He'll cause you to forget all the pain, all the trouble. Uh, if I was honest with you, I had such bitterness when I was 22. When I was, when I was at Bible college, I was so bitter. So much resentment for my father. I've forgotten. I've forgotten all the resentment. I've forgotten all of that. Now I still can remember, the, but the, all the emotions gone. All the anger's gone. I only have compassion. I only have love. The world lives with bitterness. The world lives with bitterness. They want reparations for things in the past. And they're always dragging the past. And they wonder why everything stinks. When you come to God and access that divine DNA and begin to let the Holy Spirit deal with your past, He'll give you forgiveness. The Bible says that God forgives and forgets. The two sides are the same coin. The Bible says He forgives our sins and remembers them no more. I found that as I forgave, I've forgotten. God has caused me to forget. If you want to live with pain, don't forgive. You'll continually be tormented. But you find as you forgive the Holy Spirit will begin to take away the emotion of the memory. You'll still have the memory, but the emotion, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment behind it, you'll begin to take away. second child was called Ephraim. Ephraim. Ephraim means God has caused me to be fruitful in a foreign land. Second thing that you'll find with this faith that Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has brought to you and I, is that you can be fruitful in unfavorable circumstances. Joseph was a slave in Egypt, and yet he prospered. Jacob worked for Laban, who stole from him, defrauded him, and yet he flourished and prospered. Joseph was a slave, and yet flourished. You will find you don't need to let man tell you you're a victim of man. You don't need to let let men decide your destiny. You can live in a place where what your life produces is Manasseh and Ephraim, where God has caused you to be fruitful in a foreign land. When we came to San Diego, people were like, man, why, why, why would you go to San Diego? You don't know anyone in San Diego. Like, you'd be, you'd be, everyone knows you in Australia. you got profile in Australia. But when we came to San Diego, I didn't need to. It's a, it was a foreign land to us. But I know that God, the God of Ephraim, is the God who is with me, that He'll cause me, us to be fruitful in a foreign land. You can be working for a boss who's defrauding. I'm telling you, your boss isn't greater than God. Your boss isn't greater than God. And that which is born of God overcomes the world. You and I have access to faith. That's why every week we preach faith, hope, and love. I don't like awaken church. You're way too positive. Don't confuse faith for positive. Now, faith is positive, but positive isn't faith. The Bible says by faith. They overcame. By faith, they conquered. By faith, they took territories. By faith, they raised the dead. By faith. Jesus says, when I return, we really find faith in the earth. We really find faith in the earth. Our time is gone. But I want to pray for you right now. If that, that, that first one was for you, where well, you know that I'm wrestling with God and men. I'm in mean, that dual that thing. I want you just to turn your palms towards heaven because every single one of us will, will have a wrestle. Father, I thank you right now for breakthrough and I thank you for deliverance. And this is what I hear the word of the Lord saying, that God is going to begin to reveal himself to you. And quite often to get your attention, God allows us to go through trials. Jesus was led in the wilderness by the Spirit, but he came back in the power of the Spirit. Your promotion, your promotion, your promotion is in your devotion in your desert, in your wilderness experience. If you stay devoted to God, it'll always promote you. The children of Israel for 40 years wandered in a wilderness. But after 40 years, there was the Caleb and the Joshua generation that became possessors of the promise. Warriors were birthed from 40 years of wilderness wandering. Father, I thank you for the promises. I thank you for the promises being possessed. I see breakthrough breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. Whatever is born of heaven overcomes earth. Father, I thank you for an impartation. I thank you, Lord God, today for an accessing of divine DNA. If you need some of that accessing, I want you to just lift your hand right now. Say, yeah, that's me. I need some of that divine DNA. I need some of that faith on the inside of me. What is it that overcomes the world? The Bible says, even our faith. Why does faith overcome the world? Because it's what Abraham brought. He, he wrestled with God for 40 years, and he brought from the heavenly realm. From the, See, heaven operates in faith. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When God speaks, the angels believe it. That's all faith is, is believing God's word over your circumstances. And Abraham brought it from the heavenly realm and he birthed it. With Isaac, it was brought into the world so that faith now comes into the world. The Bible says you and I are grafted into Israel. You and I are grafted into the family of Abraham. You have access. Father, I thank you for faith that overcomes the world. I thank you for a faith in the Word of God. If you're not doing the one year Bible, jump in, just just grab it, do it now. Because as you read the Bible, as you read that, it's going to put faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I thank you for victories. I thank you for healings. I thank you for miracles. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for provision this year. But while every head is bowed, every eye closed, listen, if you're not born again, Jacob couldn't do this in his strength. He tried and he was frustrated. God had to meet with him, and Jacob was the prototype for being born again. He became Israel. January 1996, I gave my life to Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I was born again. I can literally draw a line in the sand. I could show you the trajectory of my life. Everything changed when that happened. If you're here and you've never done that, today is your day. If you're here today and you once did that, but you slipped away, turn away, Whatever, you got seduced by the world and you went back into, old, come back today. If you're here and you're just far from God, you know you need to come back close to God. While every head is bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just give me a wave of your hand. I'll see your hand and I'll say a prayer for you and we'll close out the service. Who are those ones saying, hey, I I need to be born again. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Who else is there? Just raise a high. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you over there. Thank you on the side there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you through there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? saying, Pastor, that's me. Thank you over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand high. We won't do anything embarrassing. I'm just going to get us all to say a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's all say these words out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you so love me. You sent Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross, to take away all my sin, all my shame, all my past pain and disappointments. I ask you today to fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Fill me with the DNA of heaven, with faith that overcomes. I thank you that today I am born again. Heaven is my home. God is my father. I am his child. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God a great praise? Hallelujah. Those of you that raise your hands, and I know I had to rush it at the end because I ran out of time. Those would have raised their hands. We have a response lounge, a ministry team over here. They want to give you a Bible and a book called Following Jesus. Pray with you. The ministry team is going to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, let the ministry team minister to you. If you need to get into a connect group, which you need to get into a connect group, our connect team are going to be out in the foyer. They'd love to meet with you. Sign up for a connect group. Don't do life on your own. Church, why don't we stand to our feet? Come on, lift your hands high. Let me say a blessing over you. Father, I thank you for these magnificent men and women, these warriors, standing for truth, standing for justice, standing for righteousness, standing for liberty and freedom in our city of San Diego. We declare San Diego is a city for Jesus Christ. We declare the demons flee from this city because the power of God rests upon this city. We declare angels filling the heavenly realm. We declare every building sends up a bonfire of praise, worship. We declare miracles, breakthroughs, deliverances in this place. We declare declare miracles over families, reconciliation over families. We declare no sickness, no coronavirus damages any of these families. We declare healing is their portion, deliverance is their portion. In Jesus' name, can you believe that? You've got a great praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.